So, Painter, how are you uh, dealing with uh, this off weekend? Not only no Auburn football, but no Buffalo Bills football either. Your 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 beloved Buffalo boys are are, are off as well. Relaxing. It's been perfect. No group message. Like no group message at all. I know. I know how that that, that thing can get pretty rowdy. Anytime someone chimed in, it was all positive vibes. Wow. Wow. So good vibes. At some point, someone someone checked in and said, look at us. Sort of like the, uh, is it Paul Rudd and that who would have thought meme? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's, I think that's a pretty good spot uh, to be in if you're, a, if you're an Auburn fan. And, you know, NFL Sunday, we're recording this. There were some technical difficulties trying to get this going. Uh, so we're recording on Sunday afternoon, hoping to have this out Sunday night. Um, but as this is going on, as we're recording... Man, uh, C.J. Uzama has got two touchdown catches today against the Ravens. You know, there's there's been some fun there's been some fun action elsewhere, but but a pretty easy going day uh, for for you and yours. It sounds like huge uh, huge day by C.J. Right after I put him in my personal Auburn offensive all time list. Thank you, C.J. Absolutely, uh, Painter. You uh, just speaking of that list uh, for those of you who. Didn't read it on Friday or aren't subscribed to The Observer, and you might want to. Here's a little tease. Uh, Painter did the mailbag on Friday, and one of his questions, his top question was, uh, name your personal uh, Auburn all-time offense. And you said, well, I'm only going to go. You, you had some principles. You had some had some ground there. You said, look, we're only going to do players uh, from the time that I've been alive, the ones that you saw with your own eyes. And uh, uh, I, I, think, I think Bo Jackson will be fine with that. He'll survive. He's made enough list. So yeah, big big day for you, Zama. Was there a was there a? Uh, I'm gonna try to see if I can do it off the top of my head. You had Cam at quarterback, right? And yes, honorable mention to our boy Nick. Right, for sure. Uh, obviously, uh, Cadillac at running back. Yes, yes. That Your one wider's... was tough. Auburn has some good ones here, and uh, you know throughout its history but certainly since the 90s i could just pull this up you know instead of trying to do it off the top of my head i am looking at a computer right now you also had you had jay prosh at fullback which is you know understandable your two wide receivers though seth williams and courtney taylor would you like to defend the seth williams pick because i think that might have been your more controversial one yeah i think some people probably felt like recency bias i was going with the raw numbers Mm-hmm. Uh, that he has done very well in a three-season period, even with fluctuating quarterback play. Look, I have no quarrels. There are a number of names on there that I think you could put in front of him, guys going back to the 90s, or even someone like Darius Slayton, who was not as statistically productive, but is very much, when he's healthy, a viable option on a NFL team. Yeah, Yuzama. A tight end. And then your offensive line, Greg Robinson, Ben Grubbs, Reese Dismukes, Braden Smith, King Dunlap, which I, I, I particularly enjoyed. And shout out to Marcus McNeil. I thought about putting you on there. I don't know why I forgot to put you on there. Like it was, I was going to do it when I was thinking about Greg Robinson. And right. then I got to the other tackle spot and I was like, I just remembered King Dunlap. And then after we posted uh, the story, I was like, oh yeah, Marcus McNeil. I loved King Dunlap. I love King. Dunlap. I like this story. Great name. Absolutely, like just massive human being. Yeah. Uh, someone who stuck with me since I was, I guess, in junior high school, which is maybe part of the reason he got into the the store. I just I remembered him. 
And he played for almost a decade in the league, which has to count for something. So to get your creative juices flowing here, do you think you can do a defense on the fly right here? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So first, I mean, we ran into this issue when we did our uh, team draft for the 2021 roster earlier, <laughs> earlier this year. I think we need to understand what kind of what kind of defense you're playing here. Like what, what are we what are we looking at in terms of, of formation? How do we want to how do we want to line it up? If we're picking 11, it's up to you. What do you, what do you want to do? You want to do? You want to do a four three? You want to do a four two five? Like what? Let's go four man front simply because Auburn seemingly has a yep. decent collection of talent on the defensive line. I'd hate to leave someone out. Right. All right. So we're going to go four man front. Do you want to do two linebackers or three linebackers? Let's go three linebackers. Okay. We're going to do a base. Two, even though two might be, you know, more with the times. All right. We'll do a base four three right here. All right. So. It's an off-week podcast. You know, we will talk Ole Miss, but, you know, get, getting the folks at home fired up, getting getting you thinking back to football, you know. You might have had the weekend where you were, like me, more focused on what was going on with the Atlanta Braves. So let's get back into the football mindset here with this. So four-man front, where are we uh, first pick? I mean, it doesn't really matter. I, I can help you slot, slot guys in, but like, I, mean, I think in the interior, I'm, like, I guess my initial thought again is like, you have to take Tracy Rocker off the table because I didn't get to watch him play. Otherwise, he would obviously be in, right? But I would say you have two tackles that are arguably in that in that ballpark in your lifetime. Certainly Derek Brown. Mm-hmm. Nick Fairley, not a bad choice. Yeah, I think Derek Brown and Nick Fairley down the middle is the move. By the way, I, I saw Nick, uh, Derek get a uh, he had a sack earlier when I was watching Red Zone. Um, he's he's you know he's having a having a good start to his career. I I, uh, I still think it's hilarious that people thought he couldn't rush the passer, um, but uh, yeah, he can do that. I just think Derek Brown and Nick Fairley. I mean, you're talking about two defensive linemen that are. You know, one and Derek that's just massive, could do anything, uh, run-stopping and pass-rushing. Then you have Fairley, who is one of the most ferocious interior pass-rushers I've ever seen at the college level. You Love their two. mixture of, like, Mr. Professional and Derek Brown, and just, I will absolutely decapitate you and Nick Fairley. That has to be stressful for any quarterback. So who are we going with our defensive ends? Look, I know it's a recency team? thing, but I think D. Ford deserves to go there, given yep. the career he had at Auburn, plus what he's doing in the NFL I'm taking mm-hmm. D Ford at one of those spots. So your other defensive end, I like the I like the pick of D there. I can I can I throw you some can I throw you some suggestions for the other pick and, and see where where you yes. land on it? Because yes. this is your list. This is your list. I don't wanna I don't wanna step on you too much. But in your lifetime, if you're thinking about sacks, Quentin Groves, yep. Antonio Coleman, you wanna do uh you wanna do a uh, Marlon Davidson, uh, maybe a Carl Lawson, but I think that's pretty much in your life. Reggie Torbor was in your lifetime as well, but I'm looking at the sacks list. Uh, it's Quentin and Ant- Antonio Coleman, who it was kind of crazy those two guys overlapped in their careers at Auburn. Um, up there, where, 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 where are we going? So Groves was the initial name simply because of how productive he was at Auburn that I thought about alongside Sweet D. But I could understand, I could understand, even though, again, a little bit recent, if you put Carl Lawson there, again, I'm sort of hodgepodging this in between what players did, how productive they were as an Auburn Tiger, plus how good were they at the next level, which I understand may make some people mad about my Seth Williams pick, but I don't care because it's my list. Nonetheless, initially, my first thought was Quentin Groves. I, I, I I like Quentin Groves there. 
he's tied for the career lead in sacks with Gerald Robinson, who played in the eighties. So if we're going off of your, if we're going off of your standards, I mean, this is the best edge rushing pick you could get. So you got D Ford, Derek Brown, Nick Fairley, Quentin Groves, four man pass rush. Whoo! Good luck. Good luck, everybody else. Three linebackers to go with. You decided to pick the three the three LBs. Uh, who are we leaning to? I think there's Carlos one. Carlos Dansby's yeah. going to be on there. Yeah, and there's another one that I think is pretty rock solid on here for you. Definitely Carlos Dansby. Uh, you got to look at his entire career. I mean, had a, had an elite college career, an elite NFL career. How do we feel about T-Will? So I was saying like T-Will was another one that came to mind. How about Takeo Spikes? I know you were really young when that when when he played. So I think I it think falls. He... I think it falls into the category. I mean, he played for the Bills, and mm-hmm. uh, yep. he has still remained very much a piece of the Auburn family mm-hmm. after his time playing. So yes, I think let's put Takeo in there. That is a little bit of a technicality, but still there. So Takeo Spikes, Carlos Dansby. Do you go too well here? Because what would I think, be the other alternative? I mean, all SEC linebackers Auburn had had it had been Deshaun Davis and KJ Britt have been it. You know, I think Zacoby McLean has the has a real good shot at being in that being in that uh, range. I don't know if you want to crown Zacoby this early. Well, see, I'm a little partial to T. Will one because he was undersized, mm-hmm. and Short two coup. because he did help Auburn over the last couple of seasons. So I think there's some recency bias bias in there. I think there's mm-hmm. a little bit of I just like the guy. This this is your list. So you want to go with T Will? I'm gonna go yeah, with T Will. I like it. I I like it. All right. So Dansby, Spikes, Williams at linebacker. We're, we've got a ferocious front seven. Let's wrap it up here in the back end. One easy cornerback. I'm interested where you go with the other corner, but you know Carlos Rogers definitely. Carlos get, Rogers getting yeah. that award sort of locks that one down. Plus the NFL career. Who's the other cornerback you're thinking of here? I think uh, I would take Noah right now. Yeah, I would be okay yeah. if you would if you said Carlton. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was going to be down between one of those two for you. But just because of where he went in the draft and his athleticism and making a position switch from offense to defense, and not just playing a lot right away, but being a starter was stupid. And so that, to me, will always excite me about sort of the career trajectory he could have in the NFL. Because in a lot of ways, he's he's not raw. I think he's Mm -hmm. the opposite of raw. But he's still kind of young to the position when you consider, I would imagine, how many guys in the NFL have been playing cornerback for more than five years. Exactly. Yeah, Noah... Can never say enough good things about Noah. I've covered some some freak athletes during my time here. Noah's right up there with the with the Owen Papos and the and the Derek Browns of the world. Um, just unreal type of uh, type of player. All right, safety. I I would assume that Junior Rose Green gets one of these spots. I mean, Am just I? the meanest, baddest dude back there. So this is where this is where it gets tough because I remember a few years ago when I was doing you know. Yeah, I think it was SEC country or something like that, where I was like, hey, let's do an all-time team. When you get to safeties at Auburn, there's kind of a gap because there's been some really good corners and there's been some really good safeties. But, like, you know, if you're going by stats, it's tough to track. And, and Rose Green obviously makes the most sense. If you want to talk about the modern, the, the super modern painter era, uh, I think there are a number of good options to go with there. Um, does anybody speak to you? 
jump out to you the most from a group if I, if I threw out Daniel Thomas, Trey Matthews, Rudy Ford? Daniel Thomas being in the NFL is somewhat significant, right? I will always mm-hmm. appreciate that he almost single-handedly kept us in the Iron Bowl, I guess it was, in 2015 with his pair of interceptions. But to be quite honest with you, no, nobody really jumps off the page. I guess at least Thomas has the cool story of being a late guy in the class and then making it to the NFL. So if you want to look at it from that perspective, NFL caliber player. Okay, Banner, in your lifetime, the defensive backs, the safeties that have made all SEC, you're looking at Junior Rose Green, obviously. There's a gap here. So, I mean, it's kind of up for grabs here for you. Uh, what safety? What safety speaks to you? It's like most of the DBs that have put been... some respect on Daniel Thomas. Then put some respect on a guy who worked his way into the league. Let's do it, Daniel Thomas. In so Painter, your all-time defense for Auburn uh, in your lifetime, your eyeballs have seen D. Ford, Derek Brown, Nick Fairley, Quentin Groves, Carlos Dansby, Tio Spice, Travis Williams, Carlos Rogers, Noah Benagni, Junior Rose Green, and Daniel Thomas. I think you'll live with that. I think you will look. Basically, what uh, the Georgia defense looks like right now. Can I give you one one suggestion from safety? Actually, you know what, Painter? I would love Uh, that. I misspoke for safety. I misspoke for safety. I'm going to give you two more names in case you want to throw throw one of them in there instead of Daniel Thomas. If you're going to stick with him, you ready? Uh, Traveris Robinson. Mm. T. Rob was was a safety. 2002 All SEC. My eyes skipped over him because it said DB. And. Shout out also, he was all freshman safety during his time, and he moved some positions but played in the league for a minute. Uh, Will Herring. Will Herring wow. also was set, also safety. So are you sticking with DT or are we going with or, or, or are we going with either of those two? Big fan of Will Herring. Had a great uh, time watching him in that sixth grade year that I referenced that was so influential on my life. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay with my guy DT, though. Daniel Thomas. Daniel Thomas, shout out, shout out to you, Duval, all that good stuff, Montgomery's finest. So there it is, folks. If you missed Painter's offensive uh, rundown, well, now you've got a defense to go with it, and you'll want to read the rest of the mailbag that came out on Friday. Already, Painter, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if I've told you this. Already the most liked and, at this point in time, one of the most read mailbags we've had in the 50 we've had so far on the uh, on the Observer. The people love you, and so we're going to be doing this again. Well, much love to you all. Also, thank you to Ferg for making that uh, story look much more polished than it otherwise would have. Had a good time doing it. Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the free edition. Justin Ferguson right here, Painter Sharpless. In parts unknown, where the internet connection is a little iffy, but we are powering through. How are we, Painter? Studying insurance. This has by far been the best part of my day. <laughs> uh, we, uh, we're here to talk about the Auburn Ole Miss game coming up. We will do some of Kind of general preview stuff for that one. Go ahead and get an early look ahead to that and the rest of uh, the the season for Auburn, the five games left for Auburn football. May talk a little hoops as well um, as we get into a big week for the Tigers. We're only a couple weeks away from the start of college basketball season, which I know is exciting 
to a lot of you guys out there. Um, Auburn playing Ole Miss this weekend. As we record, we find out Auburn opens as a one-point home favorite against Ole Miss, who easily dispatched the LSU Bengal Tigers uh, yesterday. Painter, did you get to watch any of that? Did you did you watch any of Ole I Miss? I did. Uh, I watched LSU? a lot of it. I had uh, two out of four of my teasers hanging in the balance on that one. And uh, wow, very frustrated about how one of those went. I took I took the over okay. just because I thought, look, LSU found a little bit of its run game. Ole Miss doesn't have a great defense. We know that Ole Miss is going to put up their points. Wow. The under yeah. hit in a big way for me. Hugely disappointed. And look, I understand there are a lot of people out there saying, I can't believe it. LSU came out flat after you got rid of their coach or at least made him a lame duck. But I thought maybe that they would rally around him. No, no, Painter. You fool. Uh, Ole Miss looked pretty good, I thought, on both sides of the ball. Their offense isn't unstoppable. Um, there are some ways you can kind of slow them down. But, man, if they get those guys schemed up and open, they they have a lot of weapons, especially – uh, especially if Jerry Neely is, is back to 100%. It's going to be a fun game, I think, on, on Saturday. wonder how much Derek Mason uh, loves having that extra week off to prepare for Lane Kiffin and, and, and that offense. Uh, but, yeah, LSU looked flat, looked like uh, uh, if you listen to Split Zone Duo, uh, they were kind of dancing around it, Alex and and, uh, and Richard were, but it was like Q-U-I-T might be coming to mind when it comes to uh, the these uh, – these LSU Tigers, which, I mean, can you really blame them? I mean, they're so hurt. They're so banged up. I mean, This is already a team that didn't tackle well in the first place, and now they look like, oh, man, they really just didn't have it in them uh, on Saturday. And, and Ole Miss finding another level. They're going to be playing really good football. We're waiting for the SP Plus to get updated, uh, unless, I'm, unless I'm just missing it right now. Um, but Auburn, a one-point favorite at home, injured and hair, night game. Kind of makes sense there. Ole Miss might be a little bit of a better team at the moment, but close to a pick em. Auburn getting the home field advantage bump there in the spread. I wonder how much that line will move, if at all, this week. Also, uh, it's practically a pick em. SP Plus likes Auburn in that game ever so slightly as well. Um, so keep that in mind. Uh, and this is going off of last week's numbers. Maybe Ole Miss got some of a bump yesterday because of how they played against LSU Auburn's got everything in front of it right now, Painter. Uh, when we talk about this team being 5-2, and two, if I would have told you heading into the season that, hey, Auburn was going to be 5-2 and two heading in their bye week and they're going to come out you know, for that final stretch with a 5-2 and two record and still phrase, but I'm going to use it anyway because it's the common vernacular, controlling their own destiny in the SEC West. What, 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 what would you have said there? Auburn's on track where it needs to be. It's, because, that, I mean, that justifies losing on the road to Penn State, who is looking by the week more and more vulnerable. Yeah, I think if they have a completely healthy Sean Clifford, that's a different game yesterday. Also, the new two-point conversion rule sucks. Maybe we need to see it, you know, the the shootout in case you missed it. Uh, Illinois beat um, Penn State in, in hilarious fashion. In nine overtimes on Saturday because now after two overtimes – um, you get this new thing where you do like a two-point conversion shootout until, you know, go back and forth until, you know, somebody wins. And Illinois got it done. Penn State had no offense. Both of those teams only scored one touchdown in the game that came in the first half for both teams. They could not move the ball. 
very telling, I think, when you come, it comes to Penn State. Clifford, as, as good as he's looked this season, they would much rather put out a hurt Sean Clifford than whoever they've got behind him. Um, and so that probably affects what Penn State looks like at this point. But even still. Um, Illinois prob- is very, very bad. Illinois very, very bad in a team that you could say was in for an interesting week considering their head coach, Brad Bielema, uh, basically went in front of everyone and told them how much his roster sucked. And then they ended up winning, so maybe that maybe that works. I don't know. Maybe maybe that motivational spe- speech uh, really did it for the, for the boys from Illinois. But, yeah, that game's not looking so great in hindsight, but even still it was the first real test of the season away from home. You had a chance to stay in it late couple of chances you've gotten better in some areas you've still struggled in some areas at since that game uh georgia the team you lost to probably is going to steamroll pretty much everybody on their schedule this year uh until they at least get to atlanta we'll see what they do with alabama and if alabama doesn't clean it up this would yeah. be the year i mean it's you know i don't ever want to bet against the goat you will look foolish however there is a noticeable difference in how it is that Georgia is executing and winning its games and what Alabama is doing most recently against Tennessee. The only reason that game looked close for a stretch of time was because Alabama just kept taking a gun and shooting itself in the foot. It was hard to believe Alabama won that game at 24 last, last night against Tennessee, and it was a Something to that game. effect. I'm not sure what a, the final difference was. But, yeah, I think think the spread was somewhere around 26, 27. Yeah, and and <laughs> – that game enter, entering the fourth quarter was close. It was, it was a one-possession game entering the fourth quarter, if I remember correctly, or at least late third quarter. Uh, yeah, Alabama looks a little more vulnerable than, than usual, a lot more vulnerable, as you would say, because they've already lost to A&M. A&M looks like they're getting their act together. Keep that in mind. Just uh, in perfect time for the boys in blue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this Auburn team, I think, everything I have it to play for, ahead of it to play for, when you look at a team that is five and two, and to beat "quote unquote" expectations, to beat the over under whatever you wanted to call it point point to a win total for the season, got to get at least three of this final five. South Carolina is almost is looking closer closest to money in the bank for the rest of the year. They are very bad. They are even worse than they were last year when they beat Auburn because they don't have uh, at least a first round NFL draft pick out there at corner anymore. And uh, yeah, they're they're really bad. Um, but you know, if you split one of the, if you split against Ole Miss and A&M, take care of business against state and South Carolina, you're looking at at least eight and three heading into the iron bowl and, and see what that looks like. You will be in the spot where you can win these two ne- next two games against Ole Miss and A&M. I would say every game on the schedule right now, more so than most seasons is reasonably winnable to varying degrees. South Carolina seems exceedingly winnable, but we saw how that went last year. Ole Miss, you normally win at home against them. Right now they're playing good football. The obvious part is, I don't know what to do with Texas A&M. And yeah, you're going to be a dog against Alabama, but they certainly to this point do not look like their usual near-invincible selves. Ole Miss and A&M are going to be two toss-up games that are going to be really tough for, for a variety of reasons. The confidence level heading into this game, I think, not just from the fan base, but the the team itself. I mean, when you go to Arkansas and you have – finally have a really good start overcome a weak middle of the game to come back and beat this team beat that Arkansas team and win by double digits away from home we've talked about it the last couple weeks Peter. it felt like it just flipped the entire season's kind of mentality now could Auburn I mean like we said you know 
none of these games are guaranteed. Uh, South Carolina's not even guaranteed, even though that one looks really, really close to it. You know, they could still be a team that scrapes to six or seven wins this year, but eight is in the cards, I think. I think it's definitely possible to get eight. I think nine is on the table as well, and, you know, who knows? They catch fire and win ten. We've seen Auburn teams do this in the past, especially with uh, an Iron Bowl at the end of the year uh, at home. I like where this Auburn team's at right now. They have shown some growth in some areas, particularly in the area of, you know, Bo Nix throwing the football. The wide receivers coming out and playing the game that they had last week against Arkansas. They always had talent. It's just about the consistency, right? And and they played with a lot of consistency. I think the matchups they're going to get against Ole Miss and A&M and State and South Carolina are going to open it up a little bit more like so they can have more games like this. And Nick's... When your quarterback's playing the best ball of his career, the best three-game stretch of his career statistically, I would say, and yes, the Georgia game did not look great statistically, but all those drops made a difference. I mean, he completed over 80% of his actual passes against Georgia. This is a game where – this is a stretch here for Auburn where if your quarterback is playing with that, that level of confidence and the rest of the team is up there with him, you can make some noise. You can turn some heads because I think this team on both sides of the ball this season, you can't say they don't know how to adjust. They don't know how to bounce back, and they keep swinging. It's how they won against Georgia State. It's why they have a chance against Penn State. It's how they came back against LSU. It's how they came back against Arkansas. They have shown a lot of fight and a lot of ability to bounce back and show that they're not the same team they might have been as before. You've said it throughout the last couple of weeks, Panther, like, this five-game stretch is where you absolutely need that. You're looking at a virtual pick with Ole Miss, and I would expect Auburn to be a slight dog against A&M, although maybe that changes depending on the outcome of the Ole Miss game. Yeah. The margin uh, for error, tiny. If you look at SP Plus right now, winning is, you know, Auburn's chances, and again, we need to update this with some more current numbers. Matt have fluctuated a little bit depending on how Ole Miss and A&M did yesterday and what the numbers say about Auburn this week. SP's got 21% chance of Auburn winning both games, 27.4% chance of dropping both games, and a 51.4% chance of, and there's some rounding there with that, of winning, uh, of, of splitting those games. So it's not even, but it's it's close. Um, you know, the numbers say Auburn's more likely to split this, split this little set they've got coming up here uh, than they are um, winning both or dropping both. And that's exactly where I think they are going to be at this point in the year. Uh, the one, th- the one, an other thing I will say about this stretch coming up for Auburn, Ole Miss, and we'll talk about it more when we dive into the the nitty gritty of the game preview later this week. Ole Miss, their defense has had some games where they've looked really good, and they've had some games where they've looked not so good. We will see what LSU is re- like, what that looked like yesterday because that team looked like they didn't have much answers on offense. It was a big game at home for Ole Miss. Uh, they you know, had the whole Manning situation happening there, and, and I'm not just talking about retiring Eli's number. They <laughs> held LSU to 77 rushing yards in that game. LSU had run all over Florida the week before, and Arkansas, and Arkansas had run all over Ole Miss before, and Tennessee had a lot of success on the ground, and Bama definitely had a lot of success and it feels like this is another one of those games where you're looking at Auburn and like, all right, well, is this going to happen for you? Are you going to finally get it going on uh, on the ground? The matchup looks favorable for it on paper, but I would say State's defense has has had some has had some more games where they look better against 
the run than they have the pass. You look at the last few games against Ole Miss's pass defense, Alabama 9.3 yards per attempt, Arkansas 9.3 yards per attempt, Tennessee 8.4 yards per attempt, LSU 7.5 yards per attempt. Throwing the ball is going to be there for Auburn. If they can catch, they can run routes, they can do all the right things, they can have success through the air. We thought when they went into Arkansas, it's like, well, if they run the ball, they'll have a chance to win. And they didn't run the ball particularly well, and they still came out and won. I feel like this Ole Miss game is going to be very, very similar, and it's very, very, very uh, interesting to see where, where that where that looks like. I can't imagine that Ole Miss is going to change its philosophy from what we've seen from some previous teams, which is basically put an extra guy in the box and make Bo Nix beat you. And maybe there's a sliver of hope, a little bright spot, that that could happen based on some of those recent performances. But if I'm Lane Kiffin, and I'm looking at the majority of Nix's career, I'm going, yeah, we'd much rather take our chances and see what happens with that quarterback, that offensive line, and those receivers, none of which have been particularly consistent. As we were recording this, the SP Plus just came out. Uh, updated uh, now giving Auburn still Auburn favored 53% 0.7% to win against Ole Miss 51% to split those two games 30% to drop both and then 19% to win both when we're talking about this uh, A&M team and Ole Miss game coming up yeah I'm glad you mentioned that about the running game Um, Monday at the Observer I'm going to do a quick little mini film room uh, from the off week of why Auburn has not been able to run the ball the last few games, the the, the three SEC games against LSU, Georgia, and Arkansas, um, why they have not been able to run the ball with their backs very effectively, what's going on there, what are the issues, is it is it the box thing, is it, you know, is it blocking, is it, what is the issue? And and I've, I've went back and watched the film for from these games, and I think the answer is, is somewhere in the middle of everything, but I think that also kind of underscores how, you know, it's kind of something that we said before with uh, with the passing game. It's like, you know, if, if it's a little – it's a bunch of little things that are adding up, you feel like each group can kind of say, all right, we can get better at this, we can get better at this, we can be better, better at this, and when we put it all together, it's going to look good. Kind of like the passing game. You know, Knicks has been inaccurate. Wide receivers have been dropping passes. Pass protection hasn't been there. But they all get better, and they go into Arkansas, and all three of those areas click, and they – you know, Nick's has the best game of his career. Auburn passes all over the yard. I think that's, and I don't know how you feel about this. I mean, tell me if you think this makes sense or I'm an idiot here, but I think that's the, I think that's the thing about um, a football offense, especially that you can fix, you know, if, if it's a, if it's a bunch of little things that can click, it would be different if you're like Auburn can't run the ball because there's this one glaring issue that like they don't have it. They don't have the talent. They don't have the the players. They don't have the personnel. I just said the same thing three straight times, or you know, it's something that the the, the staff is doing over and over again. Or it's like this one big issue. I think if it's I think if it's like a, a you know several little things. Well, I mean, at this point in the year, you're not going to make one big jump. I don't think in improving something, but you can make gradual little, you know, smaller uh, improvements. And I think we've seen that with the passing game. So why not with the running game? Auburn's collection of talent. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Auburn's collection of talent creates a clear ceiling, but it has not played a game yet in which you felt like everything meshed together. Well, which means while there's a ceiling, like Auburn is not there yet. Auburn can still improve greatly in a number of areas. 
which should give fans some reason to be optimistic about the next two games. Yeah, it, it should. It should give you some optimism. Um, I, I think that it depends on which Ole Miss defense shows up on the ground. Um, you know, they look really light uh, against Arkansas and Alabama. Then again, they came and, and brought it against LSU, and maybe LSU exploding for all those yards against Florida was a combination of Florida having a bad defensive coordinator and, you know, LSU getting hot on one day, right? That wasn't kind of the sign of things to come. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's the real that's the real question mark I have here is like what what is – what is this? What is this Ole Miss defense really about? And can Auburn finally assert themselves at the line of scrimmage and start running the ball much more consistently? If not, though, I will say this: if not, you feel better about Auburn's chances than you did a few weeks ago because at least Nix is throwing the ball well, and he has shown that he can win SEC games, you know, with his arm. Because it is LSU, and because they had the good running game against Florida, I think it's an inkling, like you have an inkling to be like, oh, maybe LSU's figuring it out on the ground. And so you want to give Ole Miss credit for stopping what, for at least a week, appeared to be a competent running attack. However, what we know from the bulk of LSU's season is one of, if not the worst rushing team in the conference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, there is, there is no doubt about that. And that's got to be something that I think is going to be sticking in Auburn's head. You didn't take advantage of the matchup against Arkansas, but how much does it change now? One thing there is is that this Ole Miss pass defense is not Arkansas. They are not LSU. They don't have that kind of talent uh, and that, that production. So can they just load the box and go one-on-one with their guys on the outside and say, hey, you got to beat us through the air? Well, I mean, not only is, is Auburn playing better through the air these last couple of weeks, but Ole Miss's pass defense has been pretty tough, pretty pretty bad for the most part against teams that have a pulse this season. Um, and so how much does that change? How much does that change the chess match between uh, Mike Bobo and Brian Harson and on the other side, uh, uh, DJ Durkin. Um, so what, what, what all goes into that? I think this is a matchup that I feel like Auburn's offense versus Ole Miss's defense is going to be fascinating because I think Ole Miss is capable of, getting, of stringing some stops together. They are capable of, of of turning some heads, but on the whole, this is not the this is not the team you want to. You know, this is not the dog you want to you want to have in the fight if you're going through the air. Uh, they've given up 11 touchdowns. They've only picked off off four balls this year. Uh, it's 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 been pretty clear that teams can can throw it around the yard with them. If Auburn plays clean. They, they're not as good as Ole Miss on offense, but there's no reason they can't be in the same ballpark of scoring points in this matchup because I think Auburn's defense is better and to some extent will be able to take away the run game of Ole Miss. I am curious to see what Corral does. Auburn did a good job, if I remember correctly. I'm not sure exactly what the numbers showed of slowing down Jefferson on the ground. Oh yeah, Has they, Auburn they, played anyone else? It, it's really a rushing threat. I mean, Corral is a different kind of running quarterback than Jefferson. Right, he he will he will take it and go, and he has he has more you know top level speed uh, than I mean he is their leading rusher as well. I, I wonder how much Ely being back and healthy changes things for that old Miss Pat uh, rushing attack. But yeah, Corral, he's such a good passer, um, but he's got that. I mean he's he's got that, but he's had a hundred carries this year. Uh, he leads he leads Ole Miss in both uh, rushing yards and 
uh, rushing attempts. Um, but yeah, Auburn, I mean, Auburn did an excellent job, uh, design runs. I think the scramble you, you saw Jefferson get loose a little bit on some of the scrambles. Auburn did a better job of containing him in the second half and, and putting him down, uh, and not making it, making sure he couldn't break away, but Corral's a different dude. He's slippier, he's faster, uh, and he's better at, at tucking it and going, uh, than Jefferson was. But I think it does help that Auburn has been able when you have some design, when you have design rushes, especially um, with your quarterbacks and especially down the middle with your running backs. Auburn's done a good job of slowing them down this year. I feel a bit like a broken record here talking about Auburn not getting behind, but it feels like to me when Ole Miss has the opportunity to go for kill shots, they do, and they get confident and things really start rolling. If you can slow down Ole Miss's offense, which has been tough to do, not many teams have done it. Maybe only Alabama. Have I got that right to this point in the season? I mean, I'll say this, you know, I'll give them, I'll give them credit. Um, Tennessee held them to five yards of play. Now there were a ton of plays. Ole Miss ran 101 plays against Tennessee because that was a game where both teams were trying to play as fast as humanly possible. Um, but but I Auburn mean, getting behind in this game feels scary to me because it starts oh yeah, to sure. allow for that sure. offense, the confidence that they seem to feed off of lane from. And, and suddenly – you go from feeling like, hey, this is a defense that's capable of sort of doing its best at containing what is a very dangerous attack to, oh boy, yeah. here it comes. Like, keep everything. Like, I don't want Auburn to ever be down by more than 10 in this game because it feels like then it could get away from you quickly. And I feel like on the flip side of that, Ole Miss is so used to having success on offense that they might get more frustrated if they are not. Ole Miss uh, has lost, what is this now? Uh, Ole Miss has lost five straight in this series this has a this has the potential to be like the arkansas series and auburn uh going up going up six straight if i got that right uh yeah with 16 17 18 19 20 auburn is one uh and not only is auburn one and i know this is different variations of teams but you think about the 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 amount of success Ole Miss has had on offense over the years, whether it's Lane, uh, whether it's, you know, the even though it was Matt Luke, uh, you know, the the big name offenses out wide, those guys that are playing in the league now at wide receiver. Last season, Auburn held Ole Miss to its second worst offensive day of the year um, in their win, you know, when, when Auburn won by a touchdown last year with the Seth Williams catch late the year before. Their worst offensive day of the season came against Auburn uh, the year before that. Uh, their second worst uh, offensive game of the season came against Auburn. So, I mean, in different variations, Auburn has been able to take this star-studded Ole Miss offense and and hold them in check better than other teams have. Now, I know this is a new staff. This is a new defense. And also, this is a defense that has not done the same It's – it's not the same type of just, like – sheer dominance that we've saw from from the past from you know the the Kevin Steele defense but it's one that's adjusted well it's one that's responded well it's one that's been able to rush the passer it's one that's been able to stop the run it's one that's been able to shut down good receivers over time um in games so what happens when you put all that together and I think Auburn it being at home is big uh but also on top of that it it being a night game you know, there was some real fear, I think, 
around Auburn that that game was going to be an 11 o'clock game because not only this was this a bad week of college football for the SEC this past week, the, you know, this week and this upcoming week and this past week that just happened, a lot of off weeks. Most of the teams in the SEC were taking their off weeks this week or last week. There were only so many spots to go around, and fortunately for the Tigers, they're they're playing a home game at night because I think it's a completely different vibe, and I have to tell you this, but it's a completely different vibe for a home SEC game at night compared to a home SEC game during the day. I'll stick by what it is that I said heading into the Arkansas game when we were talking about why Auburn matched up well against Arkansas. If I'm going to bemoan Auburn's talent gap between Alabama and Georgia and the elite programs, then I think it should also be said that Auburn should expect to win these games against Arkansas and Ole Miss. Now, we know at this point for a number of different reasons that Ole Miss is a better team than Arkansas, but you've got some factors that play straight into uh, what I think is is the favorable, uh, into Auburn's favor heading into this matchup, some of which you just mentioned. Ole Miss, by the way, Ole Miss, by the way, is just a tick ahead of Arkansas on overall team talent, according to the 24-7 talent uh, team talent composite, uh, which is, hey, if we add up the recruiting rankings of all the scholarship players on this team, what does that look like compared to others? Uh, Ole Miss is 27th. Auburn is 14th. Uh, Auburn has Ole – Miss, uh, Ole Miss has 20 former uh, blue chip players on their roster. Auburn has 46. Um, so sizable difference, uh, Arkansas, by the way, had 21. And so this is kind of the thing It's it's where I've seen it from Auburn. And I don't I don't want to say this to sound arrogant because I think Ole Miss is a fun team and they got a fun offense and a fun coach and, and they, 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 they do a lot of things well. Uh, but it's kind of the same way I felt about Arkansas, you know, another second year coach that has a fun team and a fun coach that's doing a lot of things well and, and establishing his identity and his brand on what they want to do as a football program. But here's the bottom line. If Auburn plays a clean game and it's just, can we out execute you? Um, if Auburn plays a clean game, they are several rungs in the talent ladder ahead of Auburn or of, of Ole Miss of Arkansas. And if you just play, if you play your brand of football, you should beat them. You're better than them. You you have more football talent than they do. Um, yeah, don't turn the ball over. Don't give up third and longs. Right. You're right. probably that's, in a great spot going into the fourth quarter if you do those no things. Just no two very obvious, stupid like points of analysis that I could make. But given <laughs> Auburn's talent edge, like I can't stress anything else more than like don't give them extra possessions. And when you can get the offense off the field. Please, God, do it. There's your analysis. And for more in-depth analysis, you can subscribe to the Auburn Observer if you haven't already. $6 a month, $60 a year. You get the bonus podcast once a week. usually comes out on Thursdays where we will preview this game in more detail um, once we have, uh, we've done some more digging into the matchup and uh, talking to uh, Brian Harson, players for the Auburn uh, team. So we get ready for a big week between Auburn and Ole Miss. You also get... All of the newsletters, whether it is the film room or uh, the observations, uh, which be interesting this week. We Not only are we going to have observations from the Auburn Ole Miss game, but there is an Auburn basketball open scrimmage on, on Friday, uh, and I will be in attendance for that. And uh, look for some observations on Saturday morning from, from that action at Auburn Arena. 
um, and more throughout the week. AuburnObserver.com. Sign up there. $60 a month or $60 a year. If you subscribe and you're a member of the Inner Circle, we thank you guys so much for doing so. But we know that there's a chunk of you out there listening to this who aren't subscribed to The Observer, that listen to the free podcast, and we appreciate you guys just as well. Um, But if you don't subscribe and you're not in a position to subscribe right now, there's another way you can help us out. Painter, let them know. Rate, review, subscribe. Give us those five stars. You know, you'll want to. Leave a little review. We love that to rate, review, mash the subscribe button. Yeah, means a lot for us. And if you review us on Apple Podcasts uh, and, and leave us five stars, say something nice about Painter, we will greatly appreciate it. Got a couple of uh, reviews to read on air. This one is specifically to you. And this is another one of our, uh, I think this might have been the same account or a similar account to the one where we had like the, uh, the almost like Ken Burns style review. Uh, so I'm just going to deliver the message because this is supposed to be for your eyes only, Painter. Okay. Commandant Painter. Forgive me, Commandant, for I am the worm of God's despite. Since your brilliant strategic decamping for parts unknown, the prosecution of our people's war against the hated Baron Ferguson has not proceeded according to the 19-step path of excellence discussed at length in various top-secret DM groups between myself and other dedicated warfighters. I begin to suspect my alleged comrades in this protracted observation may be agents of the adversary. I guess that means I'm the adversary. At the very least, bots. Okay, that's hurtful. Uh, Commandant, I must confess that I begin to doubt my very sanity. I am, as I said, a grub before the fury of of history and its author, as well as a mere weevil in the radiance of your genius. But I cannot help to believe that I am alone in this fight. Everywhere I turn, I see shadows... My digital battlefield is littered with lobby accounts of no renown and no avatar. I probably screwed that up. I am harassed on all sides by the sloganeering, the endless propaganda of Mr. Baron Von Ferguson. My notifications burst with his missives. He says $6 a month or $60 a year, (laughs) and the sky bleeds the tears of the moon while the jackals howl across the horizon. I am confounded. I wander these deserts in the blue haze of oases across the distance, coalesce into empty cans of RC Cola, crumpled like so many broken promises. Send me some sign that I do not find a lone commandant. My skin is peeling and my lips are cracked, and the desert of my consternation is as wide as the eye of the Creator, and I do not believe I will survive beneath the unrelenting sun of my bursting inbox. When, oh when, Painter, will you descend and save us from this broken and took-over land? Professional email, sign-off, caveman, life coach. Wow. That's all I can say about that. Painter, you have, you have, a, lo- you have a loyal army behind you. RC Cola... Nice touch, and also, yes, my lips have been chapped recently, too. RC, are you an RC Cola guy? I mean, it's more of a thing that, like, harkens back to uh, my time at daycare, because whenever they did special events, they would get some form of, like, RC Cola or Mountain Lightning, because I guess the daycare was on a budget. Yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't give our daycares enough money in this country. Um we got another review uh, from AU Tiger Blogging, a uh, friend of the newsletter. Says, this is the very best in total package podcasting. Food reviews all around our college town and location services for those who may live in parts unknown. Painter does wonderful editing, too. You might say, Painter is to the Auburn Observer as, as Aubie is to Auburn cheerleading. That means a national champion. Painter, wow. championship, championship material right there. How about that? 
We appreciate you guys uh, giving us the reviews, rating, reviewing, and subscribing. It does mean a lot to us here on this fine internet radio broadcast. I uh, want to shout out uh, our friends over at Orange and True uh, at College and Mag. I was on their podcast last week. Painter, I know you've been on in the past. Um, check it out. It was a fun off-week podcast with those guys. Also, let's talk about our sponsors, folks. Let's talk about Home Field Apparel. It's a big week. This is a big week for me, Painter. You know why it's a big week for me? Why is that? Because this week, and I want to get the, and I want to be right. I believe it's Monday. I believe it's tomorrow. Homefield Apparel Ooh. is doing the dang thing that I have been asking for for quite some time. Um, sorry, it's Tuesday. Uh, they are going to release. Troy Trojans. Wow. 10-26, they're dropping Troy University. Some of you out there may be like me who grew up on Troy football, who grew up on the Larry Blakeney days, who watched them win Sunbelt title after Sunbelt title. You might you know, have another connection. You might have gone to school there. You might have, you know, I, I know there's there's plenty of people I know who are Auburn fans that are Troy fans as well. You might have been around for earlier than that back when they were a small school powerhouse troy finally home field apparel coming out tuesday i can't wait to drop some money on him um we are we are going to be excited about that we're also excited that home field apparel has partnered with us folks you know them by now if you don't you're missing out the softest most comfortable most brilliant looking collegiate apparel in the game bar none we're talking t-shirts, we're talking hoodies, we're talking crew neck sweatshirts. They got it all at homefieldapparel.com. If you listen and you've never put uh, a, an order in with Homefield, we can give you 15% off right now. Just type in the promo code OBSERVER at checkout. You get 15%, 15% off at Homefield Apparel. Um, we're excited. I'm excited about the, about the Troy drop. Uh, they've got stickers now, too. We we are we are we are excited to see how far home field is going at this point. I'm but so excited that I wore one of my shirts two weeks in a row. Didn't wash it. Didn't need to. It's a top notch one. If you've ever seen Painter's uh, Twitter, Abby, the side eye Abby, you can get uh, that on a hoodie. You can get that on a t-shirt. And I'm telling you, they're the most comfortable t-shirts and the most comfortable hoodies you can find. A couple of weeks ago, they dropped the 1957 national championship sh- national champion shirt. It's already been. A big hit with a lot of Auburn fans. Always cool to be out in the community and seeing people rocking the home field uh, home field apparel. Tell them the observer sent you as well. That's homefieldapparel.com. And uh, if you're waiting, if you're waiting like me, big day coming up on Tuesday. Troy. Also, I believe it's Georgia State and Furman, and there's another school coming out on Tuesday. Uh, so if you're connected to any of those schools, uh, you can shout that out. Uh, Furman once uh, once uh, offered my mother a scholarship to play basketball. Hey. Uh, but she ended up going to Auburn. That, in a nutshell, roundabout way, is uh, why I'm here today and doing this right now. So, um, Homefieldapparel.com. Furman, one of the many schools that has a claim to being the Harvard of the South. I think there's like eight that have that, but Furman is in that camp. What are the other ones? Uh, I think that Tulane might consider itself that. I don't know. I'm making like Swanee? things up. Swanee? Yeah. University of the South probably does. Um, I think there's a lot of people that like to, to brand, to, to coin themselves Harvard of the South. If so we got will. like Furman, 
Tulane, Vanderbilt, maybe Swanee, Florida State, uh, Mississippi State, Auburn. Let's see. Uh, well, Troy. Those are your, those are your Harvards. Those are your Harvards of the South. Put it on the board. Auburn definitely has been coined that. Florida State, Mississippi State as well. All right. So, uh, so I, are... you know, now that you've said this, I would like to talk about something you said a while back. Okay. You mentioned Mississippi State. Maybe this is a take you've voiced. I'm not so sure, but you have made the point to me mm-hmm. that Mississippi State, Starkville, mm-hmm. Auburn University, Auburn. Not that different. So Auburn's got more stuff, and Auburn's got uh, Auburn's a better spot, I would say overall, because like, look, it's in the you know it's between Montgomery and Atlanta. You can be at one of the biggest cities in the U.S. You know, in an hour and a half. Can't say that about Stark Vegas. Uh, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. But I, I think Starkville's got a bad rap, man. Like, I yeah, like that's Starkville. that's sort of the subcontext here is that Starkville probably gets pooped on more than any school in the SEC, and like, I don't think anyone's bragging necessarily about yeah. Auburn being like the coolest place in the world, but it certainly doesn't get hit as hard as Starkville. Shout out to Starkville. You've got one of my favorite restaurants in the SEC, Restaurant Tyler, downtown Starkville. If you're ever in Stark Vegas, gotta go. It's a it's a great place. Um, it, Starkville's got some good food options. Um, the, 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 the ice cream on campus, the, uh, the cheese on campus, uh, a one, uh, from their, from their dairy science department. I like Starkville. Um, but I'm also a very boring person. I think a lot of people who have criticisms of Starkville are like, well, there's nothing to do. And there's like, there's only like one or two bars and they're like, you know, people, people don't really like do a ton of stuff out there. And it's like, I agree. I understand that, but that's also something that I don't do, so it doesn't bother me as much. Um, so, I mean, I might not be the most reliable narrator there. Uh, Painter is probably your better better guide for that. Painter, I did. I, I'm glad you brought up Starkville because I wanted to talk about uh, you know how much I love Restaurant Tyler and and some of the places over there. I want to bring up this because I had this question. Uh, friend of the program, uh, Kristen, uh, on, on Twitter was asking. I think there is one. There's a there's a person who covers Ole Miss now, and I hate the name is slipping my mind uh, at this point, and I can't scroll back far enough to figure figure it out. Um, covers Ole Miss now, who's from Idaho originally, or you know covered uh, Boise State in the past, is going to be coming to Auburn for the Auburn Ole Miss game. The question was asked, you know, what restaurant recommendations? We get asked restaurant recommendations all the time uh, whenever visitors come into town for Auburn. Uh, for an Auburn game. And I don't know if we've necessarily set them out on the podcast what our recommendations are, because we can have our favorite spots. But I think if it's like, okay, well, I'm going to be in town for the weekend, what should I absolutely do? It's a different animal trying to go in there game weekend compared to if you're just like in Auburn on a Tuesday, like, you know, and and have, you know, kind of the full range of, of options. So if someone asked you, Painter, hey, I'm going to be in Auburn, you know, for a game weekend, let's just say you get there Friday night and you leave on Sunday, where are you telling them to go eat? I'm doing the hound at some point for brunch, which means you're going to have to take the L on the weight, but that's on the list. And then the other one that I feel really compelled about, which is no surprise to you, it's your favorite, is Panty George. I mean, like you just, 
It is elite. Even Ben mentioned that like Athens, a bigger city in Georgia, certainly you would think some place where the soul food is absolutely rocking. There just aren't many places like that. And it's convenient. It's right by the interstate. Like if you hit brunch and you get some of that soul food at some point, you're doing okay. And my only issue with my suggestions is what you've mentioned, which is that like Penny George's, I think, is closed at some point on the weekend. Closed on Saturdays. Which, you know, tough. And then, yeah, you're going to end up waiting for brunch. Yeah, so if you come in on Friday, so here's here's the suggestion. If you come in on Friday, Penny George's is open till 6 or 7, I think. So you can definitely hit it on the way in if that's your, if that's, if like you absolutely need to know that you can't go on Sunday, like, go do that. Uh, and when people say, what should I get? Well, the, ro- the menu rotates daily. Um, go check them out on Instagram if you want to know what exactly what you're going in for. Uh, you're going to want the fried chicken. Um, I like some of the other entrees there a ton, but the fried chicken's there. And then whatever whatever sides speak to you on a spiritual level, because all of them are very, very good. Um, but if you're like, well, I'm going to hang out with people on Friday night, or we're going to go to the Hound, or we're going to go downtown, or something like that, but I'm going to hang around for Sunday... Sunday, I would say it opens at 11 on Sunday. Go in there, get there right there as, as, as soon as you can. Load up on some food before you hit the road again. I, I think I'm, I'm 100% with you on that move right there, Painter. Uh, those would be my two big suggestions. Like Those are my, my, my moves. Now, people say, well, what should I do on Saturday? And it's like, man, I don't know. I haven't had a normal Auburn football Saturday in eight years nine years uh, yeah i don't i don't really know what, what all that looks like moe's barbecue because if you want to go somewhere casual you can and then if if it's going to be busy which it probably is going to be busy then you can have some drinks while you wait you know and like they've got good wings and and Shout uh, out to the good wings barbecue etc so like i think that's a casual place you can go on a game day lots of tvs nice little patio out back We've talked about it a little bit in the past. I don't know if I actually vocalized that, but like if you if you're coming into town, if you're an Auburn fan, if you're not an Auburn fan, at any point, those are those are your two those are your big time suggestions to go. And now, if you want more, if you want to go into a little more detail, you got a little more time, have a little bit more flexibility and creativity. I can help you out in some other ways, but that's that's kind of the go to we want to set out for here. All right, as we continue. Uh, as we were talking about Auburn basketball a little bit earlier, they have a um, they have a scrimmage on Friday night. Uh, hopefully, going to be there, cover it, uh, and uh, have some observations up on Saturday morning from it. But more importantly, Painter, we're getting the dunk contest on Saturday, uh, Friday night that we were robbed of uh, in uh, in the tip off at Tumors due to uh, inclement conditions on the floor. If you had to put money on an Auburn player winning the dunk contest, who are you going with? My initial reaction was Jabari, but I don't know if that's right, Ferg. I think Jabari runs into the issue of like being too tall to yeah. being a super impressive dunker. I mean, like Dwight Howard's really been the only like towering dunker that I remember that's really, really good. Um, Walker Kessler even joked that like he's like, Yeah, I don't I don't really have impressive dunks. I'm not very flashy with it. I mean, Devin is it Cambridge? Cambridge? Yeah, Devin Cambridge is the is my is my money pick there. I I, I have a hard time going anywhere else than, than Devin. He's bouncy. He's the right size. Uh, I think this was right up his alley. I think he 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 just kind of floats when he gets into the air. I think he can be very creative. Uh, he's got the excitement. He's got the energy. He's my pick, man. I don't I don't know. 
I don't know how you can go wrong with that. I I would wonder like a like a uh, maybe one of the smaller guys who can get up there like a Katie Johnson. Mm-hmm. You know, can he bring some? Can he bring some power? I think Flanagan would be obviously a really good pick. Uh, and if you know this was a uh, if this was a healthy uh, Allen Flanagan, I don't know, man. Like maybe Chris Moore. Like that Chris was Moore. my other thought yeah. too. Is like he's sneaky. You know, it seems like he's has he trimmed up a little bit too. He yeah he definitely has slimmed slimmed down. He is the transition he's trying to make from being like big man in college or big man in high school to wing in in college is 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 a pretty interesting one. He's got kind of a you know he's got a little bit of a slower jump shot than some of the other guys have. I wonder how much that speeds up you know as time goes on. Uh, but he does look slimmer. He looks more explosive. He looks more like a wing now. And I don't know, man. He might be able to get start getting going downhill and kind of looking a little Allen Flanagan ish this season. That was the thing that Bruce said about him when he when he signed is like he's he's Cam Newton sized. He is legitimately Cam Newton sized, and that is a terrifying thing to think about coming down the lane. I think Cambridge is probably where you would put your money. But if you told me KD or Jabari, even though I think that's a stretch, did it? I could buy that. And then maybe Chris Moore, just purely athletic, you know, off of athleticism. A little bit of a long shot. Not impossible. Should be a lot of fun to watch. And I'm interested to see what this scrimmage looks like. Uh, Auburn has their first exhibition uh, a week from now. Um, That will be the Friday night before the A&M game, if I remember correctly. So I will not be in attendance for that one, but I will definitely have my eye on it and, uh, you know, be able to write from it. Uh, From Texas... Uh, so yeah, it, it, it's exciting. I think there's a lot of, a lot of buildup right now about, uh, Auburn basketball and for good reason, what this crew looks like early in the year and, and how well they gel. I think this scrimmage and that exhibition is like, you know, there's only so much you can take away from both of those games, but how well do they look like they're clicking in the new offense, kind of knowing where each other are going to be getting comfortable with that moving forward will be a lot of fun. Uh, to watch and Ferg, uh, is there is there better blood between UAB's current coach Andy Kennedy and Bruce Pearl? I think so. I think so. They so Auburn scrimmage uh, closed door scrimmage against UAB this past weekend, um, and Bruce has said he would like to have UAB back on the schedule. I I, I want to say that his relationship with Andy Kennedy might be able to make that happen. I wonder if that's going to come up more, you know, come up closer, closer to the future. I just, I, I think, I think that's a game everybody wants to see. I don't know if it's necessarily a thing. Like, I don't know. Where do you sit on this? Do you think it needs to be played annually? Is it I good? I don't think it has like to be annually, but it would be fun if they played like once every three years. Cause if you do it that way too, it does create a little bit of mystique around the game. If you do it every season, it might wear itself out, especially as it appears today Auburn should, moving forward, always be the better team so long as they have Bruce Pearl. And in the past, that wasn't always the case. Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, Auburn played Troy and South last year at home. Uh, they play North Alabama, who is relatively new to D1. Uh, you Obviously, they went to South two years ago. Don't know if they'll ever go to Troy. I mean, you can go to South. You can play a game at South because their uh, their arena's pretty sizable the mitchell center let me if i remember correctly uh the mitchell center seats ten thousand. as much as i love you uh trojan arena uh you're 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 pretty you're pretty uh, light 
But like, yeah, taking the show on the road, going to Birmingham to play these games, uh, you know, possibly going to play, you know, a neutral site game in Huntsville sometime now. Like Bruce has made it very clear that they want to hit the road and show like not everybody can get to Auburn, especially on a weeknight or especially, you know, drop of a hat um in the state but there are auburn fans in mobile there are auburn fans definitely in birmingham they're, they're ones in atlanta like they're you know they're going to be excited to play that game against nebraska and atlanta uh this year because that's a big game uh that's yeah, a obviously a huge alumni base but i do wonder how much of that we'll see again moving forward uh because i think it's a fun little i think it's a fun little thing yeah trojan arena by the way 5500 people it's a it's a small place but yeah, how much do you get to play? You know, some of these teams in other spots. Uh, I think UNA has got a smaller arena as well, so you're probably never going to play. Like South Alabama was special because the Mitchell Center is a decent sized arena. Like it's a, it's more like a, you know, like a civic center. They have events there and stuff like that. So for the city of Mobile. Um, so yeah, I, 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 uh, I hope it go, comes back, but uh, I wonder if there's going to be necessarily a pull to make that an annual thing or you know, have it so that Auburn always tries to play a game away from home, but in the state of Alabama, that's not the university of Alabama this season. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I I think there's a lot of fans that would love to see it come back though. By the way, don't want to, don't want to put too much stock in an exhibition. Uh, but right now Alabama's losing its exhibition in the second half against Louisiana. Um, Good, good. So some Schadenfreude might. On be, the other hand, they might... they also had a pretty poor non-conference schedule, and then decided to lose two games in conference play last year. So right, right. They're, they're, thought they're, they're, was, I thought we were looking at NATO's collapsing in front of our eyes, and instead they had one of the more impressive regular seasons in recent memory. It'll be interesting to see how uh, how both Auburn and Alabama gel together early because they've got some key. Both teams have key new pieces that uh, that they're going to want to lean on early. So, with that, I think that's this will wrap up this edition of the Auburn Observer Podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate your patience. We had some technical difficulties earlier in parts unknown, but we got them sorted out. Appreciate the those of you listening here late on Sunday or listening to us on a Monday. Film room up on uh, on Monday. We'll have more coverage throughout the week as Auburn gets ready for Ole Miss. Some basketball as well uh, with the scrimmage and a lot more excitement as we get closer and closer to the season. Mailbag. I'm going to write the mailbag again this week, so I know that's disappointing to a lot of you out there. Uh, but Painter will be back on the mailbag at some point uh, in the future because uh, the people loved it too much. So uh, AuburnObserver.com, $60 a month or $60 a year gets you signed up. Uh, for everything we do and you get the bonus podcast uh, in the midweek as well where we go a little bit more in depth with our previews and such and uh, yeah can't can't thank you guys enough this was a really good bye week Uh, this was a really uh, good time to kind of sit back and relax kind of reset we're ready to go basketball season around the corner stretch run for football on the way Braves are in the World Series Uh, it's good times good times Uh, like Painter you said at the beginning good vibes not just uh not just in the group chat, but but everywhere else. Painter, your final thoughts. I like that new TurboTax song. <laughs>